joining us today on this Ponar's Eurasia podcast is Graham Robertson, a professor of political science at the University of North Carolina. Graham, thanks so much for joining me for this Ponar's podcast. What do most people get wrong about Russian politics, and what do they, what do you get right? So this this is uh, all kind of contained in our our, our new book, Putin uh, versus the People, um, which is uh, an attempt to really change the uh, discussion of Russian politics and, and, and the nature of power in Russia away from a couple of uh, tropes um, that we think are, are really misleading. There's basically two variants to how people talk about politics in, in, in Russia these days. One is the um, is you know, kind of Putin a supervillain idea, where you know, Putin is this evil genius, he manipulates things, he controls things, he's provoking uh, conflicts and, and, and trouble all around the world. Um, and you know, if there's a problem in the world, that you don't have to look very far to find the hand of Vladimir Putin behind it, right? And so um, this is uh, one of the, the main views. The other view is that well, it's not it's Putin. Not Putin is the problem. It's the Russians that are the problem, right? So they're kind of anti-democratic, they're, they're, they're prone to obedience and um, authoritarian attitudes, they're, they're ex- excessively nationalist, um, and so they're resistant to, to democratic uh, reform. And, and, and we just fundamentally disagree with both of those premises. Um, the first one, that, that sort of Putin as evil genius, is just, uh, it's an impossible fantasy. It's just not possible to, for one human being, even if he were a superhuman, and, and you know, it seems unlikely that Vladimir Putin is a superhuman um, to do all of the stuff that we, that we put down to him. And the reality is that um, rule in Russia and the Russian system is, is, is it's a loose coalition of elites um, who are struggling amongst themselves for power and for riches. Um, and Putin has, a, has an important role in that, in that, in that elite, but um, the, his role depends very heavily upon support from society. One of the reasons that the other People in the elite listen to him. One of the reasons why they allow him to arbitrate in their disputes, one of the reasons why he's effective, is that he is seen as a kind of device for legitimating the, the whole system. So if Putin becomes unpopular, then that function goes away. And so it's so it's, it's 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 even to the extent that he does wield power, which is you know considerable, even that power comes somewhere from below. The second issue with you know the the, the sort of uh, it's the Russian people that are the problem argument. It's just, it just flies in the face of empirical reality. It just doesn't stand up. Um, surprise, surprise, Russians are not all the same. Surprise, surprise, Russians have different attitudes. They vary in those attitudes, um, like everybody else. Um, and in fact, on, on lots of issues with relationship to democracy, uh, those attitudes are not that different from uh, people who live in democracies. They're actually not that different from, from Americans. There's one really interesting study that we discuss in the book comparing New Yorkers and Muscovites at the time of uh, the collapse of communism and, and, then, and, then, and now, and what you find is that you know, Russians are a bit more willing to see the police intervene uh, to, 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 for security and the, the risk of contravening people's rights, but you know, there's also been a lot of terrorist incidents in, in Russia over, over time and there may be reasons why they're uh, more uh, you know, nervous about security. On the other hand, they're just as supportive of most of the things that we think of, at least as being the democratic part of democracy, maybe not the liberal rights, but certainly elections. Um, they, they, you know, it's, 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 it's the large majorities of people support uh, free and fair elections and, and, and those kinds of elements. 
Um, the other argument that I get all the time is that, yeah, well, Russians, Russia's always been an autocracy, and so, so therefore it always will be. Um, and, you know, a few seconds reflection, you realize, well, isn't that true? Of every, <laughs> wasn't everyone yeah. an autocracy at one point? All of the democracies were one-time autocracies. And so um, there's just not really, uh, that story is just not very, very credible. And so what we have to then do is actually start thinking carefully about Russian society, about different aspects of Russian society, different tendencies within Russian society, different streams of thought, and how they interact with politics in, in order to create the system. So it's, it's, not, it's not an autocracy in Russia is, is top-down from Putin, and it's not bottom-up only from the Russian people. It's about the interaction um, of, uh, of those two, and it's about a political struggle, a daily political struggle. Um, that results in this, in this, in this, in this what we call the co-construction, the joint building of the of the system that that's there, and that system is contingent. It's politically created, and it won't, won't, there's no reason to suspect it'll be there forever. Um, and so that's really the the, the 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 different starting point that we that we that we take to the to, to, to the analysis network. As a follow-up to that, what is the role of personality and and emotion within buttressing Putin's role? Right. So this is this is this is. Um, you know, kind of the the, the structure of uh, of authority and of, of popularity uh, in much that we we examine in the book. There's a couple of things that are that are really uh, important. One is that um, you know, for his, the first uh, two terms, and then and then and then you know, part of Medvedev's term, a lot of the legitimacy and popularity that Putin enjoyed was based upon economic performance. Um, then comes the crisis of uh, the, you know, the global financial crisis, which hits Russia pretty hard. Um, then also comes the protests in 2011 around the, the elections. So Putin has a political problem. Um, and what they do is they try to re-establish the basis of, of, of the authority of the regime on a different footing than, than the economy on, on, on something else. And so one of the things that they, they hit upon is this idea of Russia as a conservative, a bastion of conservative values as a, a bulwark against Western decadence um, and, 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 and Western weakness. Um, and so they you know, refocused pretty heavily on, on nationalism, which was a, a, you know, an issue that the, the regime had been very wary about and very, very kind of uh, un, unwilling to touch before. They focused on uh, orthodoxy, which again, Putin uh, you know, had, had been very careful in his first two terms to try and to, to reflect on, on the, the, the you know, multi-confessional nature of, of Russian society. Um, and they try to stigmatize the opposition as basically being foreign, supported foreign led and representing foreign anti-Russian values. Um, and so that, that's kind of the, 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 the initial structure. And, then, and, and if you look um, at how successful, we try to understand as we do in the book, how successful that strategy was, um, a lot of the success of that strategy was built upon not just support for those actual policies, but for the establishment of those policies as being, for the assumption of, of, of Putin as a representative of the Russian nation as being something that was socially acceptable, socially desirable to, to, to buy into. Um, through the schools, through churches, uh, through workplaces, through many people's general social milieu, the idea that support for Vladimir Putin was, was support for Russia, and that was normal, 
um, was, 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 was reinforced and, and, and constructed and, and, and opposition or, 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 or deviance from that was delegitimized. Uh, and we find this in, 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 in the book that this really shapes um, different kinds of people respond to this in different ways. And so a very substantial part of the support for Putin is amongst people who, uh, who really care what other people think about them, who really care about fitting in socially, who really care about not having conflict in their lives. They are the biggest supporters of the uh, anti-gay legislation, for example. Um, they're the biggest supporters of uh, legislation against offending you know, uh, religious believers. Um, a lot of the conservative or, uh, legislation that the, that the regime introduced really is, 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 a, is a, basically a sign of membership of being a real Russian. Right? And people bought into that. And so this uh, personality basis um, was, is, it was a really big part of the reconstruction of, 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 uh, uh, of, of Putin's um, popularity in the, in the post-protest era. Um, on the opposition side, what we find is that uh, one of the best predictors of, of, of being an oppositionist is, is, is people who, who tend to be you know, uh, less calm, less secure, less, more, more, more anxious. Um, uh, this is partly a result of, of you know, an environment that's created where being openly oppositionist was a, a less secure uh, position to take. Um, and so these traits that are precognitive, that are not really to do with the things we often think about, uh, of, that, that determine support such as you know, uh, financial success, uh, or whether you work for a state-owned enterprise or a private sector enterprise, those things still matter, but the role of basic orientations towards how you're seen socially became much more important. Um, and that sort of takes us up to the, to, to the, you know, the, the, the the war, the revolution in Ukraine, and then, and then the war in, in, in Eastern Ukraine, and the, and the annexation of, of Crimea. The way the regime uses those events, the way they uh, generate a narrative uh, on television, is to turn these events into, into this huge emotional experience. Um, and we show in the book how people who, who, people really felt that they were participating in this great historical uh, conflict and this great historical reconquest, re, you know, return of Crimea to Russia um, through their consumption of, 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 this, uh, of these events on, on TV. Right. Um, not only on TV, we also document in the, in, in the book how people participated you know, actively on the front, uh, how people participated in protests in, in Eastern Ukraine, how they helped coordinate protests in Eastern Ukraine. Um, how some people participate online, some people participate in, in, in person, and some people participate from the sofa. Um, but all of this created, you know, this it is it, what Peter Rogoff calls like the Crimea syndrome. This is huge emotional uh, outpouring, and that huge emotional outpouring was really significant in that it changed, it, it further enhanced the status of Putin as this of being above kind of daily politics, as being this national symbol. It went, went uh, people went from approving of Putin to, to really feeling like he reflected their values, that they, they were proud of him, they trusted him, um, uh, they, were, they, were, they were really emotionally engaged much more. And that, that was a new part of the, of the process. It's one of the reasons why Putin enjoys um, the largest sort of bubble, the largest bump in, 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 in his approval rating um, that we've received political scientists study a lot this what they call rally around the flag effects. 
when you launch a, a, a short, successful war and, and, and it bumps your approval. Typically, the ones that have been studied most in the United States or, or in Israel or in, in, in the UK, the, the, the effect lasts a short amount of time, like six to 18 months. For Vladimir Putin, this bump is four years long. Right? It's, it's really on a whole other level. And this emotional engagement is a really huge part of the story. And one of the things that's really interesting about um, uh, studies of emotional engagement, what happens is, is, is the um, you don't need to rerun the whole event in order to, 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 to revive people's memories, people's emotional memories of, of, the, of the, their initial engagement. And so you just keep reminding them from time to time on television. Um, and people re-experience uh, uh, the emotions. And, and this is one of the reasons why you still see you know, Russian TV kind of sticking to this narrative and, 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 and bringing it up uh, over and over. Even now, at four years later, Putin's popularity is starting to slip somewhat. Finally, um, how might things change in Russia? So, one of the key parts of the, of the book is, is to show how um, none of this happens by, by magic. All of this happens by political effort. Right? Um, it happens, we, we, we look a lot, a lot, for example, about how enthusiasm for uh, the annexation of Crimea and the war in eastern Ukraine is, is, is constructed online, how uh, activists uh, take instructions from Russian government officials. We I mean, through this through, through some leaked documents um, about how to talk about the conflict in, in, in eastern Ukraine and more generally how to talk about Russian politics. We see the stress in the, in the lives of these, the working lives at least, of these officials who are caught between the activists on the one hand who have their own agenda, events on the ground and their, and their bosses, um, and how they try and pass messages back up the chain of command to their bosses from the streets and how frustrating that is yeah. as, a, as, a, as, a, as a way to go about. So this whole thing is, is, is constructed um, politically and, 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 and therefore is, is fragile. Right? So that's one thing to, to, to bear in mind that things can change. The other thing that um, is really important uh, in terms of thinking about change in Russian politics is to recognize that while being, you know, it being the social consensus and the socially acceptable thing to do to support uh, the current president, um, that, gives you, that gives you enormous strength. It also makes you weak. It makes you vulnerable. Right? It makes you vulnerable to a change in that uh, consensus. This we saw. Um, uh, you know, this goes back to Václav Havel's work um, on you know, the, the power of the powerless under communism. Um, you know, maintaining the facade of unity uh, requires lots of people to play a role. And once people change their minds and refuse to act as expected, then things can unravel pretty fast. This was indeed what happened in the fall of communism in Eastern Europe, um, and it's also what happened uh, uh, in the Soviet Union under under Perestroika. Once people started um, recognizing that it was safe to protest. And, safe to do all the things, and the consensus that, uh, that underpinned the, the USSR fell, fell apart uh, very quickly. There's a, a Russian anthropologist, Alexei Yurchak, put it, you know, the USSR was forever until it was no more, right? Um, and the lessons for, for, for Putin, I think, are clear and, and, and ominous. Um, when your position and your power depend heavily upon the citizens, upon their readings of their social environment, um, upon their sense of consensus, and upon their imagination of the possible, um, then that can actually disappear almost overnight. So you get changes that, that will come from some unexpected source and Putin's power could crumble overnight. Well, looking back, we'll say, oh yeah, it wasn't that predictable, right? But, but in reality, it's, it's probably going to be something that would catch us 
um, uh, unawares. The other thing that's also really interesting about um, the, our analysis in terms of thinking about uh, Russian politics going forward. So one, one, one scenario is the one I just described where the social consensus around Putin kind of evaporates overnight. Another one is what, what would it be if something were to happen to Putin? Um, how easy would he be to replace, right? Um, and the fact is that, that our analysis suggests that it would, be, it would be very difficult to replace him, that the kind of the, the charisma and the position that this particular individual has accrued around the Russian presidency is not institutionalized, it's not part of the presidency. It's something that's been, you know, that's been politically constructed and fought for and worked for over, over years. It's not like the situation in Uzbekistan or Turkmenistan where you know, the great leader dies and is replaced by somebody else and, and immediately all of the charisma of the old leader goes to the new one. Russia is actually you know, a much more contested political environment than, than those other cases and, and it's far from clear that, that whoever uh, followed Putin would, would you know, inherit the, the charisma so, so spontaneously. So that makes you think, well, how would that person build charisma? Right? How would he build this kind of uh, institution, he or she? Um, and you know, in all likelihood, some of the elements that were used by Vladimir Putin through the nationalism, uh, you know, Russia as a, as, 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 a, as a besieged fortress, a lot of these um, strategies would be open to, to the new leader to, to, to work on over time. So it may be that you know, would get a, get, get a new leader, but it's not clear how different that new might be. Um, if you think about the, the option of, of going down that road versus the option of you know, actually trying to do anti-corruption reforms, actually trying to build a, you know, a, a different kind of society, that's a, that's a really hard road to right? So um, it's, uh, if those are the two options that, that face any successor, then you know, it's pretty predictable which one of them they would select. Fascinating. Graham, thank you so much for joining me for this podcast. Thanks for inviting me. It's been fun.